Hey friends, welcome back to Witch Church. It's Mal. I'm so excited because we finally have arrived at the second installment of my asteroid episodes. And I was lucky enough to have astrologer Louise Eddington on today's episode to help me discuss asteroid series or as Louise prefers to categorize series dwarf planet series but however you prefer to categorize this rock in the asteroid belt um, series is such an awesome asteroid there's so much rich meaning to their mythology and archetypal story you're actually probably already a little bit familiar with Ceres. Um, if you've ever heard of the Greek goddess Demeter, Ceres is the Roman equivalent to Demeter. And Demeter is the goddess of the grain and the goddess of the harvest. And you may be partially familiar with the mythology surrounding Demeter, which has something to do with Demeter's brother Hades and her daughter Persephone. So I'll save that mythology for the episode. Actually, Louise will um, will use her Sagittarius stellium and, and tell us a really magical story about how we can retell the story of Ceres, but you're probably again already familiar with some of the mythology of this asteroid and although Ceres does relate to themes like harvest the harvest and agriculture and growing crops and our connection to nature louise and i will also explore the deeper um maybe darker sides of this asteroid Ceres also may have a lot to do with death, grief, mourning, the loss of innocence, and also on a psychological level, we can have many discussions about Ceres in a natal chart, perhaps relating to the psychology between mother and child, especially the relationship between mother and daughter, and all of like the subtle nuances that can exist within that dynamic right so Ceres is just loaded with a bunch of different themes we also talked about Ceres and this asteroid's connection with plant medicine of course we took some time to discuss um, the industrial revolution and um, maybe what series has to do with the fall of capitalism. So there's just so many themes that this asteroid can speak to. I would love to know where series is in your own natal chart. So you can either DM me on Instagram or if you're watching on YouTube, comment below and let me and Louise know where is your series placement in your natal chart? And did you relate to any of these themes that we are going to discuss in this episode? I would love to know. Um, and before we get into the interview, I just want to more formally introduce you to Louise. So 
Louise Eddington has been studying and practicing astrology as an interest for over 30 years and works professionally as an evolutionary astrologer. Um, and she's been working as a professional astrologer since 2012. Known as the Cosmic Owl of Cosmic Owl Astrology, Louise loves to combine all her passions as an astrologer, writer, shamanic healer, and certified hypnotherapy and past life regression therapist. Louise helps clients regain a deep connection with the cycles of the universe so that they can create an extraordinary life experience. So definitely give Louise a follow on social media. I'll have all of her info linked below. Um, also, Louise is hosting a Venus retrograde class later this year. So definitely check that class out. She mentions that at the end. And we're also lucky enough to have an Amazon best-selling author on the podcast today because Louis, one of Louise's astrology books is actually number one in the astrology section of Amazon. So we definitely have a treat <laughs> here today and I'm really lucky that I um, met Louise in uh, some classes that we've taken together through OPA and she's just such a great resource. She's been a great peer to learn from and she has so much deep esoteric Sagittarian knowledge. So definitely take this opportunity to learn from her and enjoy this second installment of my Asteroid episodes. Okay, Louise. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you about this asteroid, which I know we both have prominent series placements in our chart, but maybe for some of the listeners who don't know you yet, do you want to tell us maybe a little bit about your current astrological work and your astrological practice and kind of what you're up to lately? Well, I'm always so busy, but uh, <laughs> um, I've been... Um working as a professional astrologer since 2012 and um, I, beca I came, became interested in series when I read Demetra George's amazing book on the asteroid goddesses of course uh, but the first thing I'll say is I know you're doing a series on the asteroids but she's a dwarf planet <laughs> okay <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs> Not that it really matters, you know, to my mind. They're astronomical terms. Their effect is still the same. But, um, you know, gradually over the years, I started to notice that Ceres, you know, was really active. And, um, and it developed more over the last couple of years, particularly with all the cluster of planets in Capricorn with the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, because Ceres was conjunct those planets as well on January the 12th 2020 when kind of the world went to to pot <laughs> if you like <laughs> and so I started to really study her in greater detail beyond um, what I'd read in Demetra George's book and and I, and then you know I looked at her in my own chart and I was aware she was there but I was like of course I'm interested in series she's conjunct my ascendant she's like <laughs> she's like right there right at the front and she's um at two degrees of Capricorn 
And so I kind of feel like I'm meant to master what series is about in some way. And so I just started following her, studying her. Most of my studies are um, my own work. Of course, I've read what people have said about her, but um, I've had some what I would call downloads about series myself, which I'm sure we're going to talk about through uh, through this interview. Yeah. Oh, no, that's perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect introduction of how you kind of stumbled upon series. And it's funny you say that because that kind of happened to me, too, because I remember in the beginning of 2020, everybody's talking about the great conjunction of Jupiter, Saturn and Pluto and Capricorn. But you're absolutely right. Ceres was there in Capricorn with this conjunction. And I did feel like sometimes she was being left out of the interpretation when she's actually a rather very important piece of of astrology and the mythology of the planets absolutely i mean she was one of the primary goddesses you know in in mythology and one of the uh, 12 main gods and goddesses in in rome the the dei consentis and you know, there's just so much to her. She's just about so much. And um, and with she, along with Venus, are kind of my main um, topics of interest. And I actually see them as mother and daughter. I kind of see them as Demeter and Persephone. So, so we've got that whole story going on there. So, <laughs> Yeah, actually, I know um, most people are somewhat familiar with the Demeter- Persephone mythology, but um, maybe with your all of your Sagittarius placements, you can kind of tell us a little bit more about that story um, and how it relates to Ceres, asteroid, dwarf planet. <laughs> well, Ceres was um, the goddess of the grain and the harvest, and she had a daughter called Persephone, um, who, you know, she obviously loved very, very much. And uh, short version is Persephone was either kidnapped and raped by Pluto or Hades and taken to the underworld, or she uh, fell in love. And uh, I think there's a lot been a lot of reimagining of that story, that they kind of you know it was passion and desire because um, the planet Venus does um, represent desire, earthly kind of desire, and Pluto or Hades is very much about soul desire. So it's it's kind of the story of loss of innocence and um, coming to terms with, you know, our hum humanness, our shadow, our desire self, I think. Anyway, Persephone was kidnapped or ran off with Hades and um, Ceres was so distraught in looking for her daughter that she um, destroyed the harvest. So she's quite the destroyer goddess as well. You know, she's not all love and light as a goddess she's uh, if she's um, in pain she uh, she is destructive um uh, but um eventually to cut a long story short they came to an agreement with jupiter the king of the gods that persephone would spend 6 months in the light and 6 months in the dark 6 months with her mother um demeter or ceres they're the same god or goddess in the greek and roman pantheon and six months in the underworld with her husband, um, Hades or Pluto. So it's about balancing 
to my mind, the light and the dark and the seasons and coming to terms with grief and loss and all those themes that series is about. So, Yeah, actually, I love that you brought up the sort of um, different ways we can tell the story of Ceres or Demeter, because the way Demetra George tells it, for the most part, in her Asteroid Goddesses book, is um, she kind of tells the story about how Demeter and Persephone are so close as mother and daughter, but Persephone is so beautiful, she has a lot of suitors. Mm -hmm. But the way, again, uh, Demetra tells the story is like, oh, well, even though Persephone was super beautiful, her and her mom were just so close. So mm -hmm. they just they just weren't interested in the suitors. They had everything they needed together in that mother-daughter relationship. And I find I raised my brow at that part of the story because <laughs> I mean, I have a very prominent series in my own chart. And from what I've had in my limited client experience, I've only been seeing astrology clients for about two years, but still people with prominent series, I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of like perfect mother-daughter relationships where like you're inseparable and you're just happy being together. So that's the I, I have quite, you know, quite a challenging relationship with my mother, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And um, for me, it's like this asteroid really brings up the topic of like psychological separation between mother and daughter. And how many times do we hear the story of like the overly protective mother and then the daughter who falls in love with the bad boy? Yeah. And the only way she escapes the mom's protection is to whatever get on this person's motorcycle or whatever you know so I actually I preferred the tell the retelling of the story which is Me like yeah, yeah. Per Persephone and Hades actually were getting together yeah. and I don't know there's something to that psychologically if I was Persephone's therapist I would be like hmm <laughs> yeah exactly you know and I I also you know, I think we also have to take it down to a real psychological level that the the gods and goddess myths, all the myths are parts of the self, you know. So it's all about kind of loss of innocence and separation with that mother archetype and um, and then becoming the mother yourself. There's all kinds of themes as well. So, you know, it's it, we can't just say it's it's just about this. The patriarchy, the, the you know, the patriarchy as a system, our our telling of myths is very separatist, and this is that, and that's that. It's all kind of blended in, really. So, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And Louise, what what have you found to be, you know, in your series experience with your own series archetype in your life and you know kind of observing this archetype in your clients charts too of course there's the mother-daughter dynamic that we were just talking about but what are some other themes that you've seen series bring up in the natal chart 
Well, it's definitely um, what nourishes us, what feeds our soul. And it's it's in all ways, you know, what nourishes our, us, us physically, what nourishes us spiritually um, and mentally. Uh, you know, series is very much about nourishment. And I love that word for her. You know, it's, uh, you know, for example, my own series, series in Capricorn in the first, um, you know, I'm constantly um, working and learning and and. A, trying to achieve things not not so much in a money way but just in a mastery type of way and and that's been very much a big theme of my life all the way around you know it's uh and and to become the expert on something like I'm, i can see this series research coming into a book for me you know mm. um, so it's kind of got that element um you know, so wherever series is in your chart, of course, you have to look at the house and the sign. Um, it's basically what nourishes your soul, to my mind. Ooh, totally. It's funny yeah. because series, um, series in my chart squares my nodes. So I feel like I have quite a karmic thing going on with yeah. series and even just the topic of nourishing has just... Um, God, like that's a loaded topic for, for me, you know, um, you know, partially, you know, neither of my parents modeled what it was to be nourishing to oneself. Um, very little self-compassion was modeled to me. Um, so I think that's a series theme too. Like, yeah, maybe just like the ability to love yourself, the ability to nurture oneself and that all goes back to the archetypal mother, right? Uh, sort of like your mom is psychologically and physically the first person you have contact with on the human plane. Um, and I think it's Demetra George who talks about like breastfeeding and like how series can kind of have to do with that first contact between yeah infant and child so again, I have a great story about that if you want to know oh I would love that I'm, I'm, the, I'm the eldest of four and and the only girl and um and interesting that my series is in Capricorn in the first house and my mom said she tried breastfeeding and hated it and and it was like ugh, disgusting and um but to go look at the other side of series as you develop it in your own chart when I had my own children, I breastfed long term. I, I did my eldest for a year and my youngest for four and a half years at night till just before she started school. I was determined that I was going to be the nourishing attachment mother that I had not had. So, Wow, that's yeah, that's incredible. I yeah. bet I, I actually think it's funny we would have to do some more breastfeeding research but mm. I would I would put money on the fact that like people with prominent series in their charts have some kind of story like that um maybe like you said mom didn't want to breastfeed or maybe mom couldn't breastfeed for whatever reason and yeah. I, know, I know that can actually bring up a lot of shame for a lot of mothers like kind yeah. of yeah but my mom just didn't like it you know, so yeah, yeah, just do it. And then she also, you know, was not huggy at all. Never hugged me. And I once asked, why, why didn't you hug me when I was little? And she said, you didn't want to be hugged. And I was like, what? You were the mum. 
<laughs> but anyway, you know, she's still alive. Hi, mum. I'm still, I'm over it now. But, <laughs> but again, I made sure I hugged my kids all the time. You know, it's um, and and a Capricorn, of course, can be that quite that walled off kind of blocked kind of energy. So. Yeah, totally. I can definitely see that. Um, also, you know, that kind of reminds me of a story and I'll share it very vaguely because it does come from a client. Um, but um, for various reasons, while she was gestating, like in her mom's womb as a, as a fetus, her mother was in mourning. Um wow. And she has Ceres in a very prominent place in her chart. Mm. And um, I thought that was so Ceres, like this topic of mourning too, that comes in. Oh, very much grief, mourning, yeah. I should actually look at my my eldest daughter's series. I've never actually looked at her chart with that because um, when she was in gestation, my dad was dying, so. (laughs) <laughs> he died uh, a month before she was born so wow and do you for you going back to the mythology of series do you relate that with like Sari- or Demeter having to kind of mourn the loss of her daughter like where does that mourning or that death thing come in with the story well, I, think, I think yeah I mean in the myth it comes in through um the loss of um Persephone but I think it's also about the loss of innocence which is why she kind of raged and and killed killed the harvest and then um went off to Elysia to you know uh, find direct experience of God I think Ceres is at a more um at a more overview level is about the loss of our connection with the cycles of of nature and birth and death of all things <laughs> not just a daughter that's just sim- a symbolic theme of it so oh totally totally um yeah it's funny you say that because I've been really sitting on that very topic like for a couple mm-hmm. months like hmm like why do I get so depressed and sad during this the transitions between summer and fall and that transition Mm. is really hard for me and actually it's been a lot better this year I'm completely fine for the first time in like a million years in that transition between summer to fall but it was it came with that realization of like I'm really not in tune with the, the grief or like I'm not I'm not in tune with my own grief over the seasons and like mm-hmm. uh, I'm not in tune with what's coming to an end in my life and all of that resistance was creating a lot of mixed emotions with these seasonal transitions and but the higher frequency of series is very, very much in tune with the seasonal transitions. Yeah. And I yeah. think I imagine series being able to find, even in the dead of winter, she goes out and like finds bark that has medicinal properties, or she goes and discovers 
the one winter berry like she's able to harvest no matter what if that makes any sense to you Louise oh it makes complete sense and you know I always think I'm the best example because I have such a prominent series um for for anybody watching series is stationing um retrograde in two days time from this interview exactly conjunct my moon (laughs) (laughs) and uh, 12 degrees of gemini in the you can't make this stuff up department and i have had this big awakening to having to grow food and get in tune with the land and things and those cycles and instead of just diving in and just doing it the very you know digging up a load of stuff I'm looking I'm preparing long term so that's a winter thing for series for me I'm I'm researching no dig um vegetable beds preparing them over winter and I'm preparing this vegetable bed with all the layers of harvest to nurture the soil so it can grow vegetables next year and this is so unlike me I'm not a gardener so I'm clearly mastering series in some way (laughs) yes I love, yeah, no, literally planting a home garden, you're connected to series Um, and building a relationship with the earth when everything in our modern day society says you don't have to build a relationship with earth anymore. You can get, you can get strawberries 365 days a year. Um, So it is quite, um, I think it's quite revolutionary to to build a relationship with Earth this at this point. Um, have you ever found that Ceres has anything to do with people who have grown up in like agricultural families, or did you yourself ever grow up like I don't know growing your own vegetables or anything like that? I haven't noticed that, but that's an interesting thought. Nobody in my family really did that ever, but then that's that kind of walled off first house Capricorn thing, I think. So <laughs> it's up for me to discover it. So <laughs> and it's actually stationing retrograde in my sixth house, which is very much about being wholesome and um holistic. So Yeah. I'm learning it. Yeah, I'm learning it now. I haven't noticed that in charts, but then I don't think I get many clients who come from that kind of background. So we need to go visit some farms and check some farms or something. <laughs> I know. I really need to do some deeper research in other people's charts now that I've finished a book project I was writing. So yeah. Uh- And I know, Louise, you're like particularly, I know we're kind of discussing series in the natal chart, but I know you're also particularly interested with your own research about series like in history. Mm. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about when this asteroid was discovered or any, really anything when it comes to how you see the themes of series playing out historically, because I think that would be fascinating. Well, my my big overarching opinion is that the discovery of the asteroids and now the dwarf planets is a big um, thing that's launching us into the new paradigm that will be the age of Aquarius whenever that starts. I'm not going to get into that. But um, <laughs> Ceres was discovered on January the 1st, 1801, and she was asteroid number one. And... 
Um, and on her discovery, that was right in the middle of the industrial age. And it's become clear that the industrial age has uh, accelerated climate change to a great degree. What we're what we're doing with the earth and the pollution that we're causing and you know, not that I'm suggesting we go back to living in caves, you know, <laughs> at all. But I think Ceres is teaching us about the damage we've done, you know, talking about her as a destroyer goddess. You know, we're having the bigger and bigger hurricanes, the bigger and bigger tornado storms and all that kind of all the weird climate stuff that we're having. I I really attribute that to a lot to Ceres. This is, of course no planet works alone but we'll talk about Ceres for now but then in um after eris the big um shit stirrer if you don't mind me saying shit on your podcast <laughs> uh when she was discovered in um 2005 and then classified as a dwarf planet in 2006 Ceres was promoted to or reclassified i prefer because i don't see them as promotion or demotion um, she was reclassified as a dwarf planet. So since she was discovered in 1801 by humans, that would, to my mind, makes her dwarf planet number one, as well as asteroid number one. And and then that meant um, Pluto was also reclassified as a dwarf planet. And now we've got these all these dwarf planets being discovered. Um, Sedna is another one. Her orbit is 10,400 years, which takes us back to the end of the last ice age. So I really think that all this dwarf planet stuff, starting with Ceres, is to do with climate change. And and Ceres being dwarf planet and asteroid number one is a big part in that story um, with her discovery and the fact that she's actually inside the asteroid belt i see her as a personal planet to be honest so she's a part of us that has to learn to live in a more equitable way with the earth and to nourish the earth and allow the earth to nourish us and not have this theme of you know that we control everything and um that we can just throw our toxic waste in rivers and things like that so <laughs> yeah oh my gosh that that makes sense to me on so many levels and it's funny because when I think about the industrial revolution and I think of like a chapter in one of my history books in elementary school or middle school and I and I remember like child labor became a really a horrible theme that went along with the industrial revolution. And even in that sort of sense of child labor, the separate, the premature separation of mother and child or the parents not being able to nurture their own child because they have to go to work and yeah. all of this stuff. And now all our kids are farmed out to childcare and, you know, when we don't have any community, we're very separate in, as yeah. families. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I tend to be a little bit of an anarchist and like, I just, sometimes I just sit and I think about like, school is so dumb sometimes. Oh. Like 
it's it's dumb like really you're gonna make a kid go to learn all of this um stuff that they don't even don't even need to know for I know with this obsession with you know like grades and achievement and just sit in this place all all day every day yeah school's rubbish (laughs) (laughs) it's probably one of the worst things they did to children it is it is thank you yeah and it's not that i don't value education because obviously i do and obviously you do too but like school i think it's primary um it's primary uh sort of goal is to just give kids somewhere to go when they're while their parents go into the workforce and you know absolutely it's just it's just another part of how we all participate in the capitalistic agenda um so yeah I think it's wow this is really blowing my mind that you know series could be speaking to these themes of how yeah. yeah like how many things in our daily life just disrupt our natural cycles of being human yeah absolutely and and that all comes back to that part of that conjunction in january the 12th you know 2020 with her being there in capricorn you know which is really representing the the rules and structures we've set up as our as capitalist society and and it's being destroyed we've seen it in the pandemic you know a lot of kids had to be homeschooled and things and now they're trying to get them back into these structures again but it's not really working and um you know i think it's time to rethink it all personally everything but mm-hmm. <laughs> yep um destroy yeah. capitalism well <laughs> un- unfettered capitalism you know i'm not yeah <laughs> Hot take series is helping us destroy capitalism somehow. <laughs> at, uh, least, at least the unfettered capitalism that's yeah. caused so many problems. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I think the industrial revolution relating to series in a different way, um, you know, when it comes to our relationship with food, mm-hmm. uh, I actually believe oh. none of, I don't think anybody, at least in like, the 21st century Western world actually has a good relationship with food. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, we're privileged in the sense that we don't experience, um, you know, necessarily as much scarcity as other places in this world, although there is food scarcity in America, which is another issue. But we have these things called food deserts and all of that kind of shit, which is also capitalism. But um but I'm thinking about how our collective relationship with food is so messed up. Um, it's, I don't think anybody actually knows how to feed themselves or nourish themselves. Or uh, grow people. food or, you know, and most people will eat meat, but would be horrified at the thought of like killing an animal for food and or skinning and gutting it, myself included. I wouldn't, you know. I, I, the thought of gutting an animal is is not <laughs> not top on my agenda, but um, but we've lost that connection with with the food and and grow pulling a carrot out of the ground. I remember actually somebody in my family must have grown some food because I do remember pulling carrots out of the ground and and just the freshness of them and and stuff when I was young. And we just 
I think we need to rediscover some of that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Spirit is telling us that. So totally. Um, what do you think now, kind of with this, you know, the industrial revolution perspective of like when did Ceres come to us and um what is she trying to teach us? Um now with her kind of participating in the in the great conjunction at the beginning of 2020. Where do you see like the journey of Ceres taking us um, in the next couple years? I don't know if that's too big of a question, but. Well, well, I really, well, a few things, but, you know, I really do see a lot of people starting to grow food and on more kind of community gardens and more interest in in regenerative um, farming rather than just this industrial farming. Uh, you know all those kind of themes I do see it developing a lot people are realizing that you know we're just destroying the the land that nourishes us by with industrial farming so I think regenerative farming is a big one Uh, community farming uh, a lot of people turning yards over to gardening there's been a few projects I've seen just locally I tried to become a part of one where they got everybody together and those that were fit and able to dig up the ground would go and dig and people would donate land. Nothing much came to it, but people are trying to develop these things. And, and um, you know, a lot of these people do a lot of it where it kind of they donate some food to the, those who are not able to do it. So it's more community oriented. And that's a lot to do with that Gemini North Node that we've had where Ceres is... Um, now stationing retrograde local community stuff instead so series is definitely bringing that but i also think she's um and it's another topic we said we'd talk about her her relationship to plant medicine and things um i think she's bringing a lot more of that in but um there's uh, particularly in her relationship to psychedelics to um to mushrooms yay a great one another favorite topic of mine <laughs> um because mushrooms you know mushrooms and humans share a vast amount of dna did you know that we actually yeah, yeah. actually i just i just learned that um from someone who was reading some f- fungi dictionary or something and i had no idea how smart mushrooms actually are oh, they are huge and paul stamets if anybody wants to read about mushrooms go and read paul stamets um stuff um, because they 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 are just very human fungi are and um and Ceres herself is very connected to that because in her grief she is said have gone to said to have gone to Elusia and the Elusian mysteries are fascinating. There's a couple of books called The Road to Elusia and there's another book called The Immortality Key. And this is it what it basically is, is that um the Elysian mysteries were direct experience of God uh, or the divine, whatever that is, um, with no intermediary back to capitalist religion, priests and all that kind of stuff. And um, and the Eucharist, the, you know, the uh, the body and blood, it was was actually originally kind of psychedelia 
and um, and we can see that on the rise with um, psychedelics being microdosing, being used for mental health treatment uh, and the such. But I, saw, I also think there's a, a move. I think religion as an institution is starting to die with the intermediary kind of thing. And, um, and you know, people are realising they can have direct experience of whatever the divine is. Not necessarily just from taking psychedelics, but from interacting with nature. That is kind of the divine, you know. Um, and of course, that was all shut down. And the Immortality Key is really um, interesting on that, that book, about how psychedelics showed up in culture after culture and were shut down by the church um, or the churches over the centuries just not allowed because you know you need us to connect you need the patriarchal father to connect and that takes me to a story um about the mormon church here in utah where i live uh, the missionaries came to talk to my daughter because she invited them in oh, you never do that. <laughs> <laughs> And she was quite young. So, you know, there was two young missionaries and their local bishop that came into our house. And I stood there in the background being the protective mother series. <laughs> OK. And and they were t teaching her all their stuff about why she should join the church, really, I guess. And um, and I was I always like to challenge them. So I was like, you keep talking about the Heavenly Father. What about the Heavenly Mother? Where's she in all this? And um, and they said she is so um, precious and so meaningful that she's been kept in you know guarded by the by um, the heavenly father and so we can't see her ourselves because the heavenly father is looking after her and and this that kind of uh, this awareness just came to me over the last week with with series stationing retrograde on my um, chart that series has been there hiding in plain sight inside the asteroid belt with Mars and Ceres, our two outer uh, pl personal planets. Mars in um, in the Roman pantheon was seen as guardian of agriculture and Ceres is goddess of the grain. Mars was seen as the father, Ceres as the great mother. So Mars has been blocking our view kind of thing of Ceres, but now we know she's there. So we can bring in equality again. We can bring in both the divine feminine, the great mother and the divine heavenly father, whatever you want to call it. Not in the religious terms for me, but you get the idea. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. how fascinating is it that Ceres is going to station retrograde as Mars is combust the sun? So we actually can't oh. see Mars yeah. right now. So it's like Ceres really has maybe a message for us for some reason during this time. Oh. <laughs> And and they are in aspect to each other as well. They're in, you know, it's all right. Good yeah. point. Very They're good. in a trine aspect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What does the actual astrological cycle of Ceres like? How long does it take them oh, to God. move through a sign? I cannot remember. I should. I was have, like, I, I can't be. remember either. I feel like if I were to guess, they would move similarly to Mars's speed, but I could be totally uh, off. I think she's a bit slower. Yes, she is. She's 4.6 years. Okay. So but four, she's further out than, than Mars. So. Mars. Okay. So it takes 4.6 years for Ceres to go through all 360 degrees of the Zodiac. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay. So it's about double Mars. About double Mars. Okay. So actually when Ceres is within a sign, she's there. They're there for a while. They're cooking in a certain part of our charts for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about Ceres and Gemini right now as we speak. Um, Ceres and Gemini has been in my 12th house. And, you know, talking about some of this, like, parental kind of separation and I don't want to say the loss of innocence but like dating <laughs> like there's there's been like a lot of uh there's been a lot of those themes about um you know uh the tension between you know your your parents and your own love life and that's in my 12th house so this is really interesting now that I think about it <laughs> well it's, it's interesting she's going through my sixth house and has been for quite some time and um, and I actually found I had some stuff going on I wanted to process which is very mercury and I got a therapist for the first time in and many many years <laughs> and oh, wow. I, I, see, I see the sixth house as very analytical so yeah. Yeah. You know, and kind of going back to like plant medicine and these mm. illusion mysteries that mm. series can kind of rule over I'm thinking about how um, we could also blame the industrial revolution for our mental health because because of the capitalistic workforce and how we you know spend so much of our time working I mean it's no wonder why so much of the population has anxiety and depression for me it's it's mostly a manifestation of our disconnection from our own cycles and earth cycles I, I think so I agree yeah. definitely and you know if you look back at history I guess there's always been kind of the 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 person that was locked in the attic but then when did it start really it was perhaps started with the industrial revolution i don't think you hear hear much about you know that kind of um the woman being locked in the attic before then you know right. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah it, it's a I good think of all the victorian things which were after yeah. right right it's a good point and i'm also thinking about how um I think even with the pandemic, um, again, the onset with of the pandemic was sort of that the triple conjunction and then with series in the mix at the beginning of 2020. Mm. So many people I know um, started going to therapy during the pandemic or even went on medication or had a very difficult or challenging realization about their lives that maybe... Um, also had some mental health kind of heaviness to go along with it and well, a lot of people are leaving the workforce aren't they people can't hire restaurants and things who where people were treated like crap can't can't find workers because workers are saying i'm not going to be treated like crap anymore right, right? <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. it's a very it's a moment where we're kind of like I need to prioritize my mental health. Like I can't go on like this. Um, you know, um, is life really about doing this, you know, or is life about something else? And that kind of relates to kind of series and the illusion mysteries and being one with God. Um, it does. Yeah. 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 Um, and I'm also thinking about how, um, 
you know, and I'll be, I, I'm open that I'm on Prozac, so I take an SSRI, but, and it's really helped me. It's been very beneficial to me, but I know, um, I think all psychiatrists would agree with me that it is overprescribed. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of um, psychiatric medications that are, yeah, overprescribed. And what do they say? One in five Americans are on some kind of SSRI. And that just seems like... Oh. It's yeah, I know. Like it's that. insane, and I have been in the past. I'm not currently, but I've taken sertraline. That's worked for me. But yeah, it's ridiculous that so many people are just propped up by um, by drugs, basically, because modern life they can't cope with our lives. <laughs> right, right, and like with that series connection to the medicine of plants, not just like psilocybin or something along those lines but even like hugging a tree um yeah that that's medicine I think at times um and that's just medicine we don't get in our daily lives so perhaps this is also one of our series kind of callings at the moment (laughs) I I well I really think it is you know um to to get out and get your bare feet on the grass even for 10 minutes in the day if you can or you know, I'm, I'm always, I have a membership community and I'm always, I do them most videos, short videos most days. And I'm always saying, you know, just get out and just go and touch some nature. Go and, <laughs> you know, just for a little while, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a question that's maybe going back to like the theme of series and the relationship with the mother, but what would you say, you know, with someone either for, with yourself or just for someone who does, let's say, have a prominent series in their chart and does struggle with that, like parent child relationship, like what does series show us about, you know, healing that or how has series helped you maybe heal some of those mother wounds within yourself i think it's to put myself first and to mother myself first and self-care and self-love priority the more i've done that the more the rest of it doesn't kind of matter i'm not putting it onto my somebody else you know i'm a strong believer that you know my mother did the best she could with what she'd been dealt with in life you know and and I think we all do the best we can and we can't rely on anybody else to kind of fix us. So um, I think self, self-care and self-love, self-nourishment is the best healing for any serious wounds, personally, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. yeah, I've thought a lot about, I agree, with that, I feel like that's brought me some healing with some series stuff in my own chart. Um, I'll also say that um, I think series may have something to do with the actual impetus behind why we choose to have children in the first place. And I think that oftentimes, especially women or those of us who are conditioned to be women um you know i think we're conditioned to think like oh i have to get married and i have to have kids and this is just part of 
what I have to do because this is what society expects from me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think people have children because it's just part of the societal dance that they're doing. And I'm not sure if it actually comes from a place of true soul alignment. Um, and I think another uh, another reason I think we have children at times is because we did not get the love that we needed from our parents. And now subconsciously, we might bring a child into this world to give us that love, but that's yeah. that's not cool either. Um, so I don't know, this is something I'm noticing with my generation not really being so keen on having children, a lot of us. Um, I I mean, it might be because, um, and I'm not saying this is all parents, uh, but there's something about aligned parenthood with Ceres. Like, why are you bringing this child into the world? Is it because you need love or you're fulfilling a societal role? Or do do you genuinely want to be the sort of, could we call it like the soul mentor of this other soul that needs your help to fulfill their mission in this life? You know, that feels like a pretty aligned reason to become a parent, but not everybody will have children with that reason in mind, you know? Yeah, and that's a huge topic. And, you know, I think I I had children older and I really did think about it and I wanted to be the loving parent, you know, and, and kind of raise really healthy adults. Um, and, and I didn't expect, I didn't do it to be given love. I don't think that it was nice to get it back. But I wanted to shower love all over my children. (laughs) And I remember people saying to me, this is, you know, you're surprising as a mother. You just, you just love your children. I'm like, of course I do. (laughs) (laughs) And I want them to raise them to be their own people. I kind of wanted to be the wise elder because I was in Capricorn. But I agree, you know, I I, I should, that should be a part of, you know, I'm going to have to re-listen to this whole interview because I really feel a book on series is coming for me (laughs) at some point. And I think I might have to interview parents about, you know, what went into their thought process about having or not not having children. And that would be include men as well, not just the, the, um, the females, because men have mothering instincts too. And, um, all you know all the genders do so that's an interesting topic yeah Yeah. i have several several friends and family who choose not to have children and um, yeah and i think part of that uh, a lot of your generation particularly is why would i want to raise children in this world (laughs) to go back to the climate change and the problems that we're having Totally, totally. That series too. <laughs> I I also like the idea that series, you know, amongst all genders, can help us find the mother archetype and within ourselves yeah. and kind of de ungendering the mother. I don't know. That feels good oh. to me. I, I don't know if that feels good to everybody, but oh, it feels very good to me because. You know, a lot of men have got more mothering instincts than than 
so-called than those that identify as women even you know um my cousin when she got married her husband was a house husband because she liked to work and he liked to be in the home with the kids so you know and then there's all the uh, genders in between but yeah you've you've seen my second book haven't you you know that's trying to de-gender the, the language of astrology so i'm very um very keen on that so i don't see Ceres as just women i see her as uh, the mothering instinct for sure totally totally and it also um you know i've I've seen some people in the astrological community even challenge the term asteroid goddesses. Like, and I don't, I don't particularly have an issue with it, but, um, but I think I can see why asteroid goddesses, it's, it's a very gendered phrase. And like, is there another thing we could call Ceres, Juno, Vesta, and Pallas Athena. Like, could we call them something different so it could be more accessible? I don't know. It could be something to think about. <laughs> I know. And, and, you know, I, I even go as far as to think, well, all the planets and, and asteroids and dwarf planets, they're, they're just rocks. We've, we're the ones that have gendered them. <laughs> really gendered. <laughs> Mars has water on it. <laughs> it's got its it's got its uh, yin side as well as its yang. <laughs> right, they're, they're all just rocks. Yeah, good point. <laughs> oh, they are. <laughs> or gas. <laughs> oh, totally. uh, you know, and all the gods and goddesses that we've named all these things after were just named from our perspective. Actually, I was going to say, do you have any last, any last series, um, series musings that you want to share with us? Well, I'm, um, I don't really know what it means yet, and I think we'll discover it nearer the time. But I talked about the whole Venus-Pluto series dance. The three of them are meeting at zero degrees of Aquarius on December the 7th, 2024. Mm. Which is the exact same degree as the great conjunction of December the 21st, 2020, which has launched a whole period of air, great conjunctions and the age of air. I kind of think that might be when the age of Aquarius really kicks in. <laughs> and just the three of them, the, the, the lover, the daughter, the mother, all meeting at zero Aquarius. What, what healing is that going to bring? I think it's going to bring amazing opportunity for healing and bringing together all of these stories that we've talked about. I was going to say, because we're, we're kind of in for maybe a, another slightly rough year with the astrology of 2022. It's not really until 23, 24, where we kind of see things clearing up a little bit so that makes a lot of intuitive sense to me like that kind of and you know that's perhaps when we'll really start to bring in because Aquarius is new inventions and you know we'll bring in more clean energy options and and more direct connection with with whatever the divine is which Aquarius really is seeing the big patterns I see the divine uh, the astrology really so we have to listen to the message of the astrology. So, yeah, music the music of the spheres. So, yeah, totally. Well, 
Louise, you taught me so much about series today, and I'm I knew I knew you were the one to to be our series sort of mystic um, <laughs> on the on this episode. Um, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit more about like your books or any offerings you have going on at the moment? I'll have everything linked in the show notes, but yeah. I've got my books here. I've just finished writing my third book, which is about using astrology for the tarot. But my first book was Modern Astrology, which I like. I love both my books. This is the one I really love. This is actually number one on Amazon.com. Um, bestseller this is the one that start, helps that asks us to use different language in astrology to degender the astrology a little bit and um and um what else am i oh my venus retrograde class i said that venus and series are my main topics of interest and i started doing a venus retrograde um heroine's journey class i started in 2017 I woke up one morning having having had a dream saying you are going to do this Venus retrograde class <laughs> and I've done it every Venus retrograde since that starts on December the 14th because Venus is going retrograde in Capricorn conjunct Pluto <laughs> this Venus retrograde is going to be off the charts and I'm so excited I wait I get so excited when I'm, my Venus retrograde class is coming up I'm a shamanic practitioner too. In the in the class, I do a lot of shamanic journey work and soul retrieval and all kinds of shamanic work at a group level. And it's just the most amazing, transformative class ever. And there's an option to upgrade for a one-on-one session to look at your ve- your personal Venus star point. I'm actually certified in Ariel Gutman's venus star point work which adds a whole nother level to your astrology so yeah um come and sign up for my class come and join me it's amazing (laughs) i actually like i'm serious i'm gonna check my schedule i might join your class because uh, i actually have a venus in capricorn and Uh venus will station or that venus pluto conjunctions at like 25 capricorn and and that's my descendant so this this i know is going to be big for me so i might i might hop into this class (laughs) yeah come on calls are on wednesdays we've got eight calls um it's a seven week journey i'll talk about all that in the class it's journey into the um wilderness really it's like the 40 days and 40 nights of of many kind of um uh, vision quest journeys so it's a vision quest. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Louise. And um, I'll have all of Louise's info, her YouTube, Instagram, all her social media down in the show notes if you want to check her out and follow her on YouTube and social media. And I'm sure we'll have to have I'll you. Send you, I'll send you the, <laughs> the Venus retrograde. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay, thanks. I'd love to come back on. This was great. I can tell you, Mallory just added so much to my um, series um, (laughs) research as well. (laughs) Awesome. I love it. Well, thanks, Louise.